Welcome back to America's Talking. I'm Austin Berg, co-founder of Iron Light. Today, I'm so pleased to be joined by Aaron Wagner. Aaron is the CEO of American Cloud. Their mission is to empower businesses of all sizes to achieve their full potential through the use of innovative cloud computing. Prior to joining the private sector, Aaron was an airborne infantryman in the 82nd Airborne Division, earned the coveted Ranger tab, and deployed to Iraq in support of Operation Inherent Resolve. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Austin. Really excited to talk today. So at American Cloud, you guys really emphasize your commitment to a free and open internet. And I wanted to talk about that for a bit. Could you talk about how you think our cultural understanding and appreciation of an open internet has evolved over maybe the last 20, 30 years and and where American Cloud kind of fits into that arc? Absolutely. You know, it's it's such a compelling topic and in, in, in my personal opinion as you probably guessed because uh, I, I started an internet company yeah, I think it is at the forefront of you know the most important cultural questions we're asking today is is how we interact and, and consume with the internet you know originally when the internet was created as a system to communicate between a few different college campuses back in the day, the idea was to <clears throat> allow for information to freely flow between different locations in real time. And as technology advanced and you know we got more sophisticated with compute and uh, applications that allowed you know for media to you know publish stories online and social media apps to be invented uh, it it almost became information overload right because now everything all this information is online and you know I think one of the one of the biggest cultural issues we have is it's hard now for an individual, to figure out, well, is the information that I'm reading reliable? It's an interesting problem you know, generally, I think, just for the culture. But it also, as we've seen, you know, past few years, and, and I've been seeing for for over a decade now, is it created this point in time now where there's private companies that have you know, kind of bestowed the power upon themselves through Section 230 to be able to restrict and limit what information is on or off the internet. So that's kind of a long way of, of saying, you know, the, the internet is all empowering, but uh, at the same time, because there's, there's only a few companies that really do control, you know, over... You know, if you look at Amazon, they control 40% of the web servers on the internet. Or if you look at Google, they control 90% of search results on the internet. If you, you know, if you look at two companies that are controlling the vast majority of what information is on and is flowing on the internet, it's, uh, it's a huge problem, especially when those companies have now taken philosophical positions where they're restricting and removing people's ability to monetize uh, their own um, commerce or ideas, and even worse, just taking it off the internet completely. What do you think is a criticism of quote unquote big tech that is misguided or misdirected? Well, big tech isn't 
all bad because if, if we didn't have these companies, we wouldn't have the innovation that, that's come with it. So, you know, there's there's a lot of credit due there, right? You know, when when Bezos was creating a bookstore that allowed people to order on the internet and came up with and, and really revolutionized revolutionized virtualization as we know it today to create the first cloud computing platform. That is a, a massive, massive, massive achievement that we wouldn't have without big tech. So it's not, you know, it, it's not and it shouldn't be 100% of a bash fest on these guys. They, they've done a lot. They've invested a lot of money into laying infrastructure around the world. Just on the inverse side of that, where the criticism does come, I think justly is, um, you know, does that give them the right to be the gatekeepers of anything on the internet? So that's uh, that leads me perfectly into what I was maybe most curious to ask you about, which is that some of the criticism of big tech seems to me directly at odds with itself. So, for example, we need to make platforms liable for the content that they are public, that people are publishing on those platforms. But at the same time, they should be held liable for censorship of that content. How do you think of the tension between those two things? Because you guys have thought about this probably more than more than anyone I've spoken with. It's complex in nature. I think we can start to think about drawing some lines in the sands uh, in certain places. Um, but you kind of hit the nail on the head is, you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So, you know, should these platforms be allowed to remove content with impunity uh, because of uh, uh, things like Section 230? Or, you know, should platforms, you know, if they do um, participate in the removal of content freely on their own decision-making processes, then should they be held accountable for those publishing decisions? Um, and, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting problem for sure. And obviously my, my take on it is more of a, a free market response with what we've built at American Cloud being that, you know, there already are institutions in place that handle the laws of the land, uh, you know, especially in the United States. And we have organizations like the DMCA for copyright. We have the American Registry of Internet Numbers. We have ICANN. We have the Department of Justice. We have a legal system, fully functional, although sometimes as of late dysfunctional, that is in place to handle those types of decisions. And, you know, it, it's in a jury of your peers or in a process that's already been enacted. And it's, it, in our opinion, it's not the job of a technology company to then create a whole nother set of laws that the internet at large needs to abide by. That being said, these are private companies, right? And, and this is kind of the, the issue is since these are private companies, they can create their own policies. But unfortunately, especially for people, you know, abroad is like we were talking about earlier, these are companies that control large swaths of the internet, you know, practically all of it. And it's going to take um, it's going to take a larger effort from more companies like American Cloud, and there is a growing number of us who uh, want to protect people's data and want to be good stewards of people's data and treat that more as a utility service 
than uh, you know a whole new technocratic system. How have you handled that fine line between supporting a free internet, uh, being cancel proof, I think is a word that you guys use a lot, and then avoiding enabling or being tied to harmful activities that you know that most people would not want to be associated with? How do you handle those that that tension? We have uh, we've got a couple things going for us in that regard. Uh, for one, we're smaller and more bespoke at this point in our history. So you know, I, I know all of our customers, uh, maybe not personally, but you know, we're we're dealing with several hundred customers, you know, approaching a thousand, and and that you know, when compared to you know, if you look at AWS with hundreds of thousands of customers, it's just a different scale. So in in that sense, you know, I, I know what is or isn't on American cloud at this point. And, you know, I can just say, you know, just point blank, like we haven't had to deal with that. Uh, theoretically, how do we deal with that is kind of what we were talking about before. We're, we're bound by the laws of the land and the the systems and uh, institutions that are already in place to help support keeping um, the internet <clears throat> open and free but also only with um, with with legal commerce and and legal ideas online. What do you think are some of our biggest national security threats when it comes to cloud computing, or maybe maybe just data sovereignty generally? Ooh, from a national security perspective, um, well, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say you know cybersecurity in general. Um, and that is a very broad stroke, and we could probably have a whole episode on just this topic. Um, some things that are concerning me the most that are top of mind is definitely quant- quantum compute. Um, and you know, with with quantum computing coming online, we are going to see a whole new level of you know, nation states and, you know, groups acting on behalf of nation states being able to decrypt and um, uh, view communications that otherwise they they wouldn't have been able to, um, you know, and that that brings up a whole, a whole host of problems uh, as far as you know, what could, you know, let's say China do if they're able to decrypt, um, you know, United States Air Force communications. And that kind of segues right into like, what are the problems of today? Um, I think a lot of the the governmental infrastructure is still pretty legacy. Uh, a lot of it is still built on very old tech. Um and there needs to be big upgrades. We saw a few years ago the the large Jedi contract. Um, it was in the news because AWS and Microsoft are battling over um, over that contract, and one of them won, and then the other ones appealed, and now I think they're both splitting it. But you know that's only a few years ago, and you, I don't know if you've been in a, a bureaucratic institution before, but things move slowly, very slowly. Uh, slower than pond water, you could say. So if if we're just starting to crack the nut on, you know, getting some of this uh, technology infrastructure moved into, you know, some more modern hardware, uh, we're behind the power curve. And from a from a threat aperture perspective, that worries me that um, 
we, we are behind and we need to catch up and we need to make sure that that our defense tech is uh you know modern current and you know we should be constantly at the edge uh especially for our warfighters making a note to our producer call that we need to get more veterans on the podcast so that i can hear the words threat aperture uh, a little more often. I like that a lot. Um, so there are these giants in your industry, which you've mentioned a couple of AWS, uh, Google Cloud. What are the main weaknesses of those companies as you see them? And, and how are you guys sort of exploiting and competing with those? Ooh, my favorite subject uh, or my, my favorite current subject, at least. So there's just so many awesome ways that an infrastructure company can compete with the big guys. Um, you know, first and foremost, customer support, right? Customer success. We don't have hundreds of thousands of customers, which means we can have a direct relationship and, and be vested in every single one of our customers' success. And, and let them dictate what that success means rather than fit them into a bucket. So, uh, you know, I'm personally extremely grateful for the fact that, you know, right now we're, we are working with all of our customers, whether, you know, they want to talk to us every day, every month, or they just want to be hands off and do it on their own. We're able to support that and not have to charge some additional fees. I thought it was, uh, it, it was hilarious to me recently when, uh, I found out that Microsoft is now charging an additional fee for, you know, a new level of support just so that you could real-time communicate with one of their support engineers. Uh, to, to think that, you know, customers of Microsoft are already having, you know, issues because they're, they're dealing with Windows systems and, and now you have to pay more just to talk to support. Just It, it, it had me laughing for, for a little while there. Uh, the other big one, is is cost um the big three have been known and and this is why we're seeing a lot of repatriation out of the cloud is that their fees have been egregious um they are egregious and a lot of that is in these hidden operational fees or network egress fees that you don't really know about when you're first setting up your infrastructure you know you're like oh i can just build this this little server and it's only going to cost me, you know, 20 bucks a month. But you didn't know that, you know, every object that is moved into your storage, there's going to be another few cents, you know, every day. And you didn't know that every terabyte of traffic was going to cost you several hundred more dollars a month. And for us, because we are our own landlords, we own our own data center, we own our own power, we own our own equipment, we own our own software, we don't have somebody you know above us that we have to pay. We don't we have all fixed costs there and we don't have to pass through any egregious fee to make up for uh, you know some investment vehicle that needs to be paid back. So so we don't charge those egress fees. We don't have uh, operational fees. We, we can just literally beat them on, on simple price because we're, we're only charging for that underlying infrastructure. And then the, the last piece here, obviously, is philosophically. Uh, you know, we're an American-made company. We believe in buying American. We're, we are recommending to companies that can, that they should bring their data home. Uh, and, and companies that want to believe in the American ideal rather than that 
technocratic, philosophical, digital overlords who get to decide what is and is not on the internet, then you have a choice now to, to join a neutral, neutral cloud service provider that anybody can host their content on. So with the internet being a global entity and, and various countries having different views on what openness means... How do you? How are you navigating kind of the international landscape? Are you guys there yet in terms of a customer base? Because what I'm thinking of is even someone like like an Elon Musk who describes himself as a free speech absolutist and has certainly made X, formerly Twitter, much more open in that respect, still has to answer to uh, customers or entities in other parts of the world. How are you guys thinking about that? Right now, we are very focused on the American market. Um, there's actually there's a firm in Europe called Sidescale that has a couple data centers uh, around Paris. I think they have one in Poland and maybe one in Amsterdam, and they've really focused their services on that local market. and And we are doing something similar over here, except in the states. And that's not to say we may never, you know, venture into to offering compute internationally, but one of our theories is is especially with data privacy laws, um, you know, being enacted here in the states, and and we've seen a lot happen in Europe and the EU. Uh, there's going to be, you know, I predict there's going to be a push to repatriate your data locally, and um, you know, our gamble on that per se is that we're we're betting on the American market and we're betting on American companies and, and we're building a cloud computing platform for those companies. Last question I have for you. Uh, I really respect American cloud because you guys have taken an entrepreneurial approach to what could otherwise be almost a culture war issue where there are different sides trying to use the force of government to impose their will whereas you guys are simply providing a great service that people can uh, can use to, to change their personal behavior uh, with some benefit rather than using force of government to impose their will on others. Do you see other, I think tech has been a great example of this, but other areas where entrepreneurship could be a, a solution or part of the solution to solving some of these larger, these larger issues or debates? You know, maybe this is the the capitalist in me, or maybe it's the opportunist. But you know, I think the private sector can do a lot to help in the education institution. I think we're starting to see that actually percolate uh, directly from the family, and you know, we're seeing these pods be created for local and, and regional schools that um, you know are, are self funded in that respect, and. You know, the, the government response to that has been some school choice and, and getting some funds back to the students where it should be. But that's one example where actually I, I met with uh, an organization recently who uh, is creating, you know, curriculums and platforms, you know, via technology and not technology uh, for those types of school systems to, to be empowered. And that's a, that's a private market or private business solution um, for these families. Um, I think that's probably the, the top one, you know, off the cuff that I can think of. I'm sure I could kind of go down the list and, and list them all off, but we'll stick to that. 
Aaron Wagner. He is the CEO of American Cloud. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us and thanks for talking. Thanks, Austin. It was a pleasure. 